Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome, Welcome back, back to She and Her. Her. Hey, Sandra. It's been a minute. It has. I am very happy to be back in the studio. We have taken some time off to recoup, get our minds straight, and have a really exciting third season for y'all. You will be hearing from our moms, just like you always do. We have all new theme music. Original theme music. Original theme music done by Cameron Laws and Sam Gerwick. We also have a lot of cutting-edge topics that we're going to be talking about, like guilt, motherhood, anxiety, and divorce, which we're going to explore in this episode and the next one. Do you remember the first time you heard about divorce? I think it was in first or second grade. One of my best friend's parents were getting a divorce. And I was at, I think I was at her house when like right after her mom told her and she like locked her, we both like locked ourselves in the bathroom. Like she was so upset. So it was very much like the trauma of this happening to someone I knew for the first time. That's my first strong memory of it. Well, I remember when my uncle and his wife were divorced, my family called a meeting. It was my parents and my sister, and they sat us down and they said, honey, your uncle and his wife are getting divorced. And it was very serious and very dramatic. And then I just remember divorce being this huge narrative of the 90s. So I kind of equate divorce with the Just Say No campaign for drugs. Like, (laughs) I feel like... When I was a kid, I thought every playground you went to or party you went to, someone was going to be there who was going to try to get you hooked on heroin and then kill you. (laughs) And I felt like equally pervasive was this idea that divorce was just ruining family culture in the United States. Oh, yeah. It was like an epidemic. I remember the statistic. More than 50% of couples will get a divorce. Yes, and my dad is a divorce attorney, so it was always a big topic of conversation in my household. So I always, as I grew up, I felt like people our age wouldn't get divorced as much because maybe people wouldn't go into relationships like that without more certainty because they'd seen it, seen relationships fall apart so often. And I also didn't grow up in a religious household, and a lot of my friends didn't, so I felt like maybe not everyone would even go into marriage at all. Yeah. And so we were curious about looking into this topic. And I would say both of the women that we're going to talk to in the next couple of days definitely took marriage really seriously, but have a lot of interesting things to say about why it didn't work out. 
Yes. So today you're going to hear from our friend Aaron Terry, a comic who has been married and divorced twice. Here's Aaron. Marriage was just what you did in the conservative circles I was in. Like, it didn't matter when you got there. That was where you needed to get to, like, unlock physicalness or that intimacy that you would have with a partner. And I don't know, that speeds up the timelines. I mean, the fact that I'm 33 and I've been married twice to tell you, like, uh, maybe I don't have the best view of things. (laughs) But I don't think that I really thought about marriage in any real way until I was married. And then I was like, why did I do this? At least the first time around. So Erin hosts a female comedy show called Eyes Up Here, and I think it's fair to say that she is a super feminist, but her notion of what a woman is supposed to be has actually changed a ton. She learned a lot about the kind of woman she didn't want to be in her first marriage to a conservative Christian. Here's Erin. I met my first husband when we were both in college. I was a freshman and he was a sophomore. We didn't go to the same school, but we had friends who invited us to a movie over Christmas break, and we met... And I thought he was hilarious, and we, like, really connected on a humor level, which is pretty telling about me just in general. I like to be funny, and for someone to, like, match me is pretty rare. But um, I don't know. We just spent, like, a lot of time together getting to know each other. He eventually transferred to App and changed his majors, and we were inseparable, like, all during school years. Um, And then by the time, like, junior year came around – He proposed, and it was so exciting. And, of course, I said yes because he's, like, on a knee on top of a mountain that we went on a hike on. And, like, then we start wedding planning, and you you start wedding planning pretty quickly. I mean, as soon as you have a ring on your finger, people are like, well, when are you going to do it? And you have to kind of have an idea for that. So it sort of snowballed from there. Not that I didn't want it to, but it was just, like, these motions you just go through – the next steps and the next steps. And, and at no real point was I really ever asking myself, like, hard questions during any of that, nor was I asking him hard questions during any of that. So, you know, we just got caught up in it. Uh, we weren't the only people who were engaged our junior years and married, like, right after graduation as, as seniors. And, I mean, it I don't know. It felt like a whirlwind at the same time as it felt like everything was moving in a very slow motion and like I was floating and it wasn't my life and I was watching a lifetime movie that I was somehow involved in but like I was the protagonist during that lifetime movie so do you think it had to do cuz I can imagine people hearing this who didn't grow up in the south or didn't grow up in a religious community and thinking I didn't know anyone who was a junior in college who was getting engaged like did it feel normal to you do you feel like it was a sort of a product of the particular culture you were in at that time it was absolutely like campus crusade for christ culture like that was like he was in the worship band and i was a bible study leader and we were you know one of the couples that everybody would be like oh they've been together for like three years and so that culture is just you know you keep your hands off of each other you pray through like all the urges and you save yourself and that's what we both did and we took it very seriously and like i'm not I'm not here to say, like, you should just throw caution to the wind and be physical with anyone you're not ready for doing that with. But it it definitely, like, put blinders over us. Not not just that we wanted to be physical and that was the only way we could. It was also just we were never really real with each other. Mm. 
and we never faced challenges together. And there was one point after we got engaged and I, you know, lovingly was like looking at him and I said, you know, when did you know you wanted to marry me? And he's like, everybody kept asking me when I was going to ask you to marry me. He didn't have a sweet answer. He didn't have a nice answer. Like it was, it was just the, what was pressure and sort of like, well, we liked each other enough. And I've thought about this a lot. Like we didn't hate each other the whole time. We didn't, we didn't have what I would consider a very toxic relationship at first. Marriage definitely complicated what we did have, but we also didn't have any introspection about how or why we worked well together. Like we could have just been friends, I think. Oh God, I, this took a long time to, to wake up to, but, um, Every summer we were apart, I had, like, the best time. (laughs) I don't know. It took me a long time to realize that we were doing the best we could with what we had, but we were not being critical of it at all until we were legally bound to one another. And I don't know. And how did things change? Uh, Well, sex changed everything. He had a lot of expectations that... I could have fulfilled, but I was stubborn about because, like, I didn't want to be expected to do something. You know, there was this sort of, like, casual incident on our honeymoon night, which I'll never forget. We get to the hotel room. I'm in my wedding dress. (laughs) And I say, you know, all right, what are we doing? And he's like, I'll give you a few minutes to freshen up. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm wearing a wedding dress. Can you just take this off? And he's like, I mean, don't you have lingerie? Like, he, like, had these expectations we'd never talked about. And I stood in the bathroom for 45 minutes taking my sweet, loving time, like, dolling myself up. I'm 21. I'm in, like, my – I never looked better than that day. <laughs> and I had to go, like, put something else mm-hmm. on. I don't know. We butted heads a lot about that. And when we'd gone through, like, church counseling before we got married, too, and we were never honest. You say now, I mean, you mentioned the summer times being, in retrospect, a red flag. <laughs> yeah. But you also had a conversation, I believe, with his mother. Yeah. And that was when we were still engaged. So we were probably three months out from the wedding. This is, uh, like, Easter weekend, I think. We went down to visit her, and she... Um, sent my first husband out to get something and he was going to be out for a while and we're like in her bedroom which is not a place we ever hang out but she's like so why do you want to marry my son and we're like like we have a venue we have food bought we have um, a band booked I mean like I had thought for a long time okay like Yeah, there's some red flags here, but I would hope my husband would learn to, like, love me the way that I love him. Like, I would have, like, a servant's heart and, like, do whatever I could for him. And eventually, even though he always chooses himself and I'm choosing him, he'll learn to choose me. Hmm. Like, I'll teach him. No. Uh, And that's what she basically said. She was just like, you know, he reminds me a lot of his father. And I'm not with his father. And I haven't been with him for a while. And it's because he was very controlling. And one day when we had a hard conversation, he locked me in the closet for a while. And I was just like, what? And she goes, oh, yeah, that's the day everything ended. And so she just looks at me and she goes, he reminds me a lot of his father, Aaron. And you remind me a lot of me. You know, inside I'm like, 
oh, what does this mean? But this is exactly what it said. Whether I marry your son in three months or 10 years from now, I'm going to marry your son. It's just like such like wow. a script. Like it feels like a bad Lifetime movie, like where you watch the main character just do something ridiculously stupid. And I just, you know, I didn't want to be the person who caught off the wedding. Like I listened and I heard her, but I didn't. I didn't let it actually absorb until much later when I was like, oh, my gosh, she was trying to warn me. She was, like, trying to be like, yo, girl, wake up, pay attention. Uh, are you sure you want to marry my son? Are you sure you want to marry my son? Uh, yeah. And so how long were you married before you separated? Uh, we were married for a year and four months. Kevin and Brittany Federline were married longer than us. <laughs> <laughs> However, they had two children, so we had zero children, just a dog. And 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 this is the like, if you've never watched BoJack Horseman, I would highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. Uh, there was a line in season two that like I had to pause it and then immediately started crying because it is it is my first marriage, like summed up in one line. And it's Lisa Kudrow shows up and she's an owl, but she says. Red flags are just flags when you're wearing rose-colored glasses. <laughs> hmm. I'm like, this owl is legit blowing my mind. <laughs> and it's the truth. Like, I had rose-colored glasses on during that whole relationship, including the marriage. And I wanted to believe that something could change or, like, the dynamics could be better and, like, my love could change his love or, like, you know – Heaven forbid the faith that we shared could teach him something about mm, loving other people. Uh, and it's not that I think he's super hateful. I think he just was very self-absorbed. And, like, that's where all the problems start. So, you know, in conservative circles, you have prayer requests. And I would ask people to pray for us about certain subjects. And then I'd go to him and be like, I feel so much better. Me and the girls prayed about X, da-da-da. And he'd be like, don't air our dirty laundry at Bible time. Like, and he was a believer too, but like he really was offended by my casual honesty at all turns. And so I learned like picking a fight with him wasn't worth it to like put my actual business out there. So it started to be very cocooned from any outside of opinions from friends or family. Like nobody really knew our dynamics and how things worked. I really only bounce things off of him. And if I got a bad response, I just internalize that and keep it to myself. And I really didn't have any mentors or friends who had enough information to like give me advice or to listen, you know? And so I saw plenty of red flags, but I didn't know they were red. This is just. Well, you were really young. Yeah. Getting married when you're 21 or 22 can work for some people and if you find the right person and you're willing to compromise on certain things and meet them where they are you could literally marry a stranger you've never met before and pe plenty of people do that like arranged marriages sometimes work out i just arranged something that did not work ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So how did the end of that marriage change your relationship to religion? I was still very convicted about religion and faith and what, like, where I stood with God. And then the church I was going to when I moved to Raleigh, the, Raleigh was where I reset everything. I was like, this is a new book. Like, I'm not even closing the chapter. Like, I'm getting a whole new book. <laughs> and then I started going to a conservative church because that was where I, I felt like I needed to be. And I was still... Of faith, and eventually, like some boy wanted to date me, or I was interested in some boy, one of the two, same guy, just I don't know who started it. And you know, he knew that I was divorced. I'm all of 23 and a half years old, and I'm divorced, and so I sort of wore that as like a scarlet letter, like D on my chest at all times, like I've been married, you should know that, and, you know, whatever. But, um, his thing was, hey. I want to take you out on dates, but I really want to know, like, what the pastors think about the fact that you've been married before. It just might make a difference whether or not you should date. And I was like, what are you talking about? And legitimately, the pastors said to me when when I went to them and said, like, am I allowed to date people in your flock? Like, (laughs) am I a wolf? I don't understand. They said that I needed to honor God by going back to my first husband, that I made a covenant before the Lord and that, like, I needed to be only with him, even if it was going to be hard. And, like, that's where your faith really comes in is being in an empty, loveless, shallow, wow. desperate place. That really strained a lot of, like, what I thought about pastorship and about somebody speaking to me about my life, even though they would not lived in that relationship. And in the meantime, my first husband started dating someone and then married her. And so I waited until, like, it was Facebook official, and I saw, like, her in a white dress and him in a tux. And I was, like, I sent them an email. I sent the pastors an email. and was like, do I need to break up this marriage? Because I made a covenant with God. And, yes, I'm being snarky, and I'm not talking about this anymore. And, and they basically said, like, no, if he's gotten remarried, then that covenant is the one that stands now. And, I mean— I found it to be just a place where men were telling women what to do. And I was like, I'd rather be single every day for the rest of my life, and God will still love me. Like, pretty sure if you believe what you say you believe, like, one, he's going to forgive me, and two, he's still going to love me. So I'd just rather do that alone. And ultimately, I stopped going to church and stopped getting counseling like that because I took jobs that were retail, and I worked Sundays, and I got a lot more out of non-church people who were more Jesus-y to me than any church person had ever been previously. So I just unsubscribed. And you met your second husband at one of those retail jobs. (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) So tell us about him. My second husband's name was Anthony, and we started dating 
in August of 2012. And we were married by December in 2012. So it was very fast. Um, but he wasn't a stranger to me. We'd worked together for a full year at that time in August when we started dating. And then there was some – and this is exactly why I, like, I started even considering him to date at all is because I was talking about my first marriage and I was talking about being divorced. And I had stopped wearing it like a scarlet letter. And I was like talking in, in the back one day. And I was like, yeah, well, when I got divorced, da 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 And he like slammed his hands on the desk and looked at me and was like, who would divorce you? It was like the sweetest thing anybody had ever (laughs) said to me, which is a sad thing. But like seriously, like it stuck out to me that he was six years younger than me. I was 28. So he was 22. He's a baby. He's a baby. And I called him that. Like that was his name. I called him baby child. I'd be like, all right, mm, you're not you're not dateable because you're a child. And he he was persistent and um you know, after that comment of, like, who would divorce you? The answer is he would in a few years. But <laughs> at, the time, <laughs> at the time, it was really, like, such a sweet thing to say to me. And, and I was really proud of myself that that was something he didn't know about me yet. Like, I was like, wow, I'm not just broadcasting that anymore and, like, so sad or desperate or whatever I was for those years when grocery store cashiers hated me. <laughs> But um, we were friends, and, and then we started hanging out on purpose by ourselves, and it just made sense. And so, you know, I've always said, like, I do want a family. I do want those things, and I, I want them sooner than later. I'd rather be, like, a young parent than an old parent. These are, like, all naive things to say because life will laugh at you. But um, he knew what pages I was on, and so like, we had only been dating, like, two months. And he proposed to me, and we were just out stargazing like we did from time to time in the summer and I was like and I said yes because I was madly in love with him and and he was in love with me and yeah it was really fast and then um through another series of events we like we're like okay well we should pick a date next year and then it was like well why next year why don't we do this year and we just did and we got married at the courthouse and it was kind of the opposite of getting married in a church and so did it – there was never – it seems like it was such a whirlwind that there was never a moment where you really took stock of like, okay, I'm making this decision to get married again. Or did you? Um, I think in comparison to how hateful and like, you know, broken the first marriage was, I didn't want to take that stock. I didn't want to question like – like we were in love. Like we – it was – there were no questions. Like we were in it and we were so – honest with each other about what we wanted and when we wanted it and like um supportive he was the opposite of my first husband in in communication patterns and I mean like I could boss him around a lot which I don't love about my personality but I definitely indulged in that relationship (laughs) because like I've never identified as being a princess but kind of like a queen. Like, I just want to point at something and be like, do this and (laughs) the man will do it. What a concept. Um he was happy to be with me and I was happy to be with him. And we were on the same page for about a year and a half. And like, once we were married, things didn't change at all. Like it made no difference that it was legal. We, you know, had a house, we got cats, we were happy. And I still, I'm proud of that for that year and a half before some health problems changed that dynamic and, you know, things kind of deteriorated. Um, I don't know. It, it was fast, but I think a lot of what the like 
they say you should be engaged for at least a year. Who's they? You're they. Do what you want to do. You could do whatever. I mean, there's plenty of data to support whatever you've done. Like, You shouldn't feel like you're subscribing to somebody else's narrative when it's yours. It's yours to write. Do you think because you had been married once, your expectation, you had different expectations going in the second time? Yes. Although I was marrying someone who was 22, just like the first time around. So I had to blow through some of his expectations and really like press him on saying like, what do you want? I don't want to steer you like you're in your early 20s. I'm not in charge of your future unless you want me to be. And then it's like, you know, compromise and we'll be steering each other's future. So there were some things that I pressed on knowing what I already knew from my first husband. For the most part, Anthony was very even keeled. Our rapport really worked. And what changed? So he had a thyroid problem, which kind of caught us out of left field. And our vows did not include in sickness and health. I'm kidding. They probably did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad about that. Like sickness, through sickness and in health, like I know like there are a lot of people who've who've supported a spouse or a partner in a lot harder situations than that. But um, he had hyperthyroidism that showed up about a year and a half into our marriage. And, you know, at this time, he's almost 25. And he's just, like, not himself. And it wasn't diagnosed yet. So he's just, his hormones are totally out of whack. He's acting like a teenager. He's, like, surly and defensive and forgetful and just, like, not the man I married. And um, I challenged him a lot. On that. I mean, I had to be like a mom. I felt like I had been a nanny before and I felt like a nanny mm-hmm. in my marriage. And I'd just be like, hey, you left the milk out all night last night. And so, no, you don't have milk for cereal this morning. And he'd be like, why didn't you tell me to put it away? I'm like, I didn't even see it. I see it now. And so if you really want cereal, you'll have to go get milk. And it would turn into like a but I hate grocery shopping. And it was just like, I don't know, who likes grocery shopping? And I just always <laughs> challenged those gender roles and like, you know, like, oh, well, I love buying milk. So I'll go out and get it for you. You know, it's just sort of like a, a toxic dynamic started happening. And then, you know, attraction really fell away because I was momming him at every turn. It felt like I had a teenage son who slept in my bed every night. <laughs> And and vice versa, like, he was having problems with how I had to be, like, assertive or bossy or, you know, he really wasn't himself. And so by the time he got it diagnosed and then started figuring out his meds to normalize again, we just weren't connected. It was like a roommate and a roommate who slept in my bed every night and I sleeping in his bed. And we weren't even, like, on the same team. We just lived in the same house. And so like through a series of really great events both my sisters were pregnant in 2015 such a delight so happy for them but it started a lot of <laughs> like seriously one day I'm gonna sit all the babies down because my, my younger sister had twins on December 3rd and my older sister had her first baby on December 17th two weeks apart wow one day I'm gonna sit all of them down like I've joked about this but I'm literally gonna do this you guys got my second divorce. Thanks. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so it prompted a lot of really hard conversations because we were sort of coasting in that dysfunctional dynamic that had started to happen. And then both my sisters have like the best news they could ever give us on Mother's Day, no less. And like 
Anthony and I had been talking for quite a while about like 2016 was when we were going to have a baby. And I started saying like, okay, well, if they're both due in December and we know this in March, like we can be like right behind them and also have a baby in 2016 like we said we would. But could we try in 2015? And then Anthony just started pumping the brakes and he'd be like, well, why do we have to have a baby at all? And I'm like, well, well, we've set like and I had to start, you know pressing on what he was wanting and when he was wanting it. And he's like, well, you know, I want to be a dad. I just, maybe not so soon. Or, you know, if this is what you really want, then we can do that. But, like, we'll do that here in Raleigh. And I had been sort of curious, both my sisters and Charlotte, could we maybe have a baby in Charlotte and I can have, like, you know, early motherhood memories with my sisters and their new little baby cousins? And he's like, no. Like, <laughs> he didn't really have any real reason that we had to be in Raleigh and wasn't really open to discussion about any kind of in-between or compromise. And so I think we could have coasted into like a five-year-long marriage, but it turned into like three years, almost three years. But we spent some time apart after those conversations, like in September of 2015. We, I was like, I just need some space. And so he started living with his mom and then he just never moved back in. And we got some counseling in that separate time. Anthony and I sat there and just like, well, I think we're different people than who we were three years ago. So if we want to really make this work, and this is with the counselor like talking to us, like we would have to date like we're strangers. I don't know how you do that. It's really, really hard for humans to just, you know, slash and burn a foundation and start over mid-relationship. And so, I don't know, I wasn't really... Maybe I wasn't willing to do that, but I, I wasn't willing to do that. It seems like you you changed dramatically over the course of both of these yeah. relationships, which is I think sometimes like something people say about marriage and monogamy that like how can you stay with someone for 20 years when you evolve into different people? Yeah. Do you still believe in <laughs> monogamy and monogamous I do. marriages? <laughs> I don't really have a reason why. <laughs> But the institution of marriage, I, th- I still think that I will, I want to be married. I want to have, like, one partner for a very long time, if not forever, until they die. Uh, hopefully first. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know that that means, you know, everything that I've ever thought before. I think that I'd be open to partnership. I still have some glimpse of the traditional future I wanted now is just with a lot more baggage I guess on my end and like I'd be open to being a stepmom I'd be open to being a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have been before what is it like to date now well so you know post first divorce was like there were no dating apps back then and I was still churchy so I was mostly like meeting people at bible study which is lame um Sorry, it's lame now to me. But the uh, the dating apps are where you watch humanity burn down, so it's <laughs> pretty unbearable, and I'm part of it. And I really like you have to be in a place like, like is this today a bad a bad day enough to go eat at McDonald's? Yes, then today's a bad enough day to install Tinder again. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be sort of like like having a par zero like okay who, who really cares um <laughs> but now I do mention that I'm divorced twice 
pretty upfront because whether or not they have an opinion about it, I would rather get that over with. Um, a lot of a lot of the guys on the dating apps who are in their 30s, like myself, have this thing that they write, and it really makes me laugh. Never married, no kids. They like wear it like a badge of honor. <laughs> They're like, never married, no kids. I'm like, okay, like maybe we should be proud that you have no kids. Good job. Uh, but never married doesn't really bode well. Like, have you been engaged? Has anybody ever wanted to date you? Because that's a little bit different. Like, not that I'm like twice married, no kids. You know, I'm not out here <laughs> bragging, but I am curious. You know, why have you been alone for 35 years, Mark? Mm. <laughs> Are you going to continue that trend? Because you're going to be 70 pretty soon. You know, like. <laughs> so you do see having been married twice as a kind of. As a positive thing in it some ways. It can be. I mean, I, I've asked my friends and, you know, there were there I still have friends who were in my first wedding who, like, want to see me happy and want to see me thrive and who came to my second wedding and have been there through the divorces. And they're like, Erin, you jump in with feet first. Like, I love that about you. You you don't care what anybody thinks. I do. I do care. <laughs> I just don't let it stop me if I really want it. Uh, I think about it a lot. I just... It's my life. So I don't know. Uh, being married for a third time would just be fun. I'm not going to do it lightheartedly. I would like to be married only one more time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I have a lot of comedy that's come out of these, like, heartaches, and especially since most of it is brought on by myself and my own shortcomings. And hindsight gives you a lot of jokes and, um, like, a lot of healing, too. But I'm curious about... The second divorce after going through the first, and I imagine sort of a narr- how it would be easy to have a narrative in your head, like again, Aaron. Yeah. On your worst day, what did you have to tell yourself to be kind to yourself about the second divorce? Yes. Mm. Well, I had a friend who I love dearly, and who I know said something out of like you know the kindest place in her heart, which was. On my wedding day, on my second wedding day, she said, are you sure you want to do this? And I looked at her and said exactly what I said to my ex-mother-in-law the first time around. It's like, I'm going to marry this guy. Like, come on, you know, get with it. And then, you know, the downside is that when it ended, she said, I told you so. And I asked you if you wanted to marry him and you said yes. And I've really taken that to heart because I think it comes from a very big sisterly place that like, she wanted to check with me to make sure if anybody hadn't checked with me yet, like she needed to check with me. But it was really hurtful to like kind of hear, you know, told you so. So I've just tried to move into a place of like my narrative might be negative. It might be, sorry, uh, like no one wants you, but I want me. And like that's where I'm at. That's that's what I moved towards. It's like you you know like the, our grandmothers our grandmother's friends were in 60 year long relationships because they couldn't read or because they couldn't support themselves they'd never been to school they'd taken typing classes but never gotten a college degree i drive myself all over north carolina anytime i feel like it my grandmothers wouldn't even do that my grandmother had her, my grandfather drive she never even got a license. She said, that's how you get jury duty. She did not even have a driver's license. Bless her. I do a lot of stuff just for me. And there are those days where I think, like, oh, no one wants you. That's not true. Plenty of people do. And like I've said before, there's no, like, one person out there. There's approximately, from my analytics, 
17,543 men, <laughs> because I'm into men, uh, who would line up. If I said, like, hey, I'm having a casting call, they would line up and wait, like American Idol auditions, to meet me. <laughs> and I could take my time and meet them one at a time and, like, line them up as I felt like, you know, the compatibility might be. But it's about me. And I would want them to do the same thing. I would want them to make it about themselves because, like, that's where a good relationship is born. And I mostly need to take care of, like, having a better handle on myself before I'm, like, throwing it around or at men who don't deserve it. (laughs) I don't know. I like me. So I'll just look out for that. That was Erin Terry, a comic and founder of Eyes Up Here, a female variety show in Raleigh. And that is our show for today. Check back in on Thursday for part two of our divorce series. And of course, you will hear from our moms as promised. All right, y'all. Follow us at She and Her Radio on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us a rating on iTunes and Stitcher where you can find our entire show catalog. And we'll be back soon. See you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.